Well, I think maybe writing it helped put words to my feelings and unpack them. I, I guess sometimes we have a tendency just to leave things in a box and somewhere down the road you get to them. And then somebody came to me and asked, uh, well, really it was Bob Duff, who I co-wrote it with, and, and the publisher Triumph Books, and they said, would you be interested? And I read some of the, I knew Bob's work and some of the stuff that Triumph had done. They'd always done a nice job, especially with sports books. And then I figured, you know what, if I if I do a book now, I'll remember what happened in my life 20 years from now when I can't remember. So it'll all be there, and I can reread it. But the nice thing was that uh, people say to me, how do you remember the exact dates and things that happened? I was fortunate that my mom, who's since passed away, some nine years ago or so, always kept scrapbooks of my career. And, you know, in this industry where, where there used to be media critics in newspapers writing about you, whether they were good or bad, she kept it. And any stories about me in the paper, or what I'd done with Hockey Night in Canada, et cetera, was all there. So I could go through roughly, I continued on what she had done, 20 scrapbooks of things. So it was a good memory. And to go back through it helped me. It was, uh, it was cathartic, actually. These walls could talk, stories from the ice, locker room, and press box. Having spent time uh, in the locker room, you see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that uh, fans don't get to see. Uh, you know, we like to think we know these players and coaches, but you actually do know them. Uh, which locker room uh, story do you think will surprise readers the most? We are out in uh, Santa Monica for a game against the L.A. Kings, and we weren't doing anything untoward, but we were in a bar late at night called Shea Jays, which was a, a cool spot, one of those places where you can crack the peanut shells and just drop them on the floor and nobody really cared. Uh, we didn't care either that Scotty Bowman walked in until he saw all of us, some of the uh, the PR staff and training staff, and Scotty walked into the bar and decided to update all in attendance of our marital statuses. So as Scotty walked in at midnight because we were talking to some women, and Scotty said, he's single, he's married, he's divorced, he's engaged. <laughs> he turned around and then he walked out. <laughs> that was Bowman, just out for a late night stroll around midnight just trying to create some havoc but uh stories like that on the road with scotty are, are always fun so uh, it's, it's a lot of that in the book and, and my career and how i began well how did you begin i began at the age of 10 listening to foster hewitt on the radio called hockey night in canada when my parents would send me to bed early before the game ended on television so i took my little yellow panasonic twist radio and put it under my pillow and could get Foster Hewitt, or I got Dan Kelly, uh, who was one of my favorites uh, at KMOX in St. Louis, and I'd just roll the dial, and I'd, I'd find them. And it just fascinated me, and just the way they could paint the picture and bring it to you. So, And then I'd fall asleep listening to the game. So as I say, from the age of 10, I think I wanted to do this, and it was in my dreams, and maybe by osmosis it happened. And that's how I learned to do play-by-play. And then at age 17, I wrote Brian Williams, not the U.S. News Brian Williams, from uh, NBC, but from uh, Canada. Brian Williams was at CBC Television, and I just wrote him a letter when I was 17 years old, and he called me and wrote me and said, come on down, watch me do the television sports, and we'll talk about careers in journalism. And some eight years later, uh, Brian went to national sports at CBC, and I replaced him at local television. So it's it's not... You know, as I say in the book, Pat, and I, and I tell people this when I speak to schools, et cetera, it's, uh, there's no luck involved. You can be in the right place at the right time in anyone's career, anything you're doing. But to me, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So anything I had done, even from the age of 10, following sportscasts late night on radio, listening to Dave Hodge and CFRB and radio always just fascinated me that I, everything I had done up to that point that when I was ready and applying for jobs just out of university uh, in Toronto, I was somehow ready because nothing was going to throw me. And then you make mistakes in the first job you're at and the next job comes. But everything you've done to that point and anyone you meet 
If they offer you something, you're ready to seize the opportunity because everything you've done to prepare for it. The Wings, who won the Stanley Cup in 2002, some have called that one of the greatest teams of all time. Certainly, it was one of the most star-studded. And you wrote about that team in your book. What case would you make in favor of calling them the greatest? Well, I know that Steve Eiserman did not, but they were all players at different stages of their career who came together and many who took even less money. It was even before a salary cap era, but the Red Wings, the Illich family spent quite a bit on that team. So to get Brett Hull and Luke Robitaille and you'd acquired Dominic Hasek, and it was just amazing what a Hall of Fame group that was. To me, it was the best I've ever seen. You went in there any night thinking you weren't going to lose. And the great Pavel Datsuk was just a rookie that year. And to watch him develop with Brett Hull, the veteran, was really something to see. I know the 84-85 Oilers were deemed the best team of all time. The National Hockey League had already said that, and a fan vote, et cetera. So, but this team was, to me, pretty darn close. And I remember the first time uh, we're traveling on Redbird in October of 2001, the beginning of that season, and I'm sitting on that plane. And I'd already been around Lidstrom and Shanahan and Fedorov and Eisenman. But then, as I mentioned, you see the likes of uh, Luke Robitaille and Brett Hull and Dominic Hoshik and get on that plane. You go, holy cow, is this a group? So I took it all in that year. It, it was a lot of fun. We were down 0-2 to Vancouver to start the playoffs. And we head to Vancouver, and I get on the plane, and Ken Holland and Scotty Bowman already seated, and Steve Eisenman's right in front of me and trailing a team that shouldn't lose at all. And you're down, you lose the first two games at home in that playoff series round one, and you're going back to Vancouver down 0-2, and Steve Eisenman turned to both Ken Holland and Scotty Bowman, and I'm right behind him, and he said, we're not going to lose this series. And that made me feel a whole lot better when Steve Eisenman had that determination, and sure enough, the Red Wings won four straight won that series in six and went on to win the Stanley Cup. You got to have the Stanley Cup uh, for a day uh, at one point, as I understand. Uh, What did you do with it? A couple of times, actually, and uh, took it to my kids' schools and and took it to some friends' home, had a party at my house in 08, took it to uh, their schools and surprised them beforehand. And my, my daughter... Back in 02 at middle school, at Doherty Middle School, the keeper of the cup, Mike Bolt, actually locked it in his car. And it was a good thing it wasn't recess at the time, or those kids would have learned a whole new vocabulary. He wasn't too pleased about that. The Stanley Cup got locked in the car, and then they put out a, a call to the West Bloomfield Police Department and said, uh, we've got the Stanley Cup locked in the car. I'd never seen so many patrol cars, cars show up so quickly. It was unreal. I'm ready to tape it off. But they, uh, they opened it up, and everybody got pictures with the Stanley Cup. So fun days when you can surprise. I only told the principal each time, each of those two years in 02 and 08, uh, they knew and they called it a Red Wing Day, but nobody knew the cup was coming. And all the kids at the school got pictures with the Stanley Cups and it made my kids proud and it made me proud to be able to do it. So those those are fun days. Not every team gives the broadcasters a chance with the cup and we get it last. So it works out great for me because school's back in and either September or October when we get it because it travels around the world with all the players and staff members. But they're kind enough to uh, allow us to be part of that.